You're listening to Faith Assembly of God Online, a recording of our weekly service. Thanks for joining with us, the place where hope and reality converge. I pray you've been enjoying uh, just your, your summer and, uh, and uh, encourage you to have some time to hit reset, some time to reprieve, some time to just uh, get away, enjoy. If you need a reminder, uh, we've got beach balls that have reset on them. If you need to be reminded to hit reset, you can just go out into the information center, grab one of those beach balls, take it home, and just hit it around your house and be reminded. Then uh, maybe you're not allowed to have balls in the house. You you might have grown up in a house where you're not allowed to have balls in the house. So uh, get permission first. So uh, husbands, ask your wives if you're allowed to do that in the house. If you have your Bibles this morning, Acts chapter 6 is where we're going to be looking today. We've been looking at the importance of hitting the pause in our moments in life and making the most of moments before they're gone. The, the importance of hitting the, the reset is that we make the most of moments before they pass. When we hit reset, it helps us to, to make the most, to enjoy the most, and to develop the most. I'm definitely of the nature where I like to get more out of things. I don't know about you, but there's very rarely I look at something in life and say, I really expect less out of that. I, I don't want more out of that. We, we tend to look at life and we desire to get more for our money. We want more time with our family. We want more sun in our summer. There's things that we tend to want more of, and by nature, that's a, a part of what we do. It reminds me of a version of the creation story. It's, it's a version of it. It's not accurate. It's not accurate at all, but it's still interesting to, to hear the stories of, uh, of, uh, of the God's creation as he begins the process, and it, the story goes that on the first day, God created the dog, and he said to the dog, he said, I want you to sit on the porch, and outside the door, I want you to bark at everybody that comes and everybody goes. And for this, I'll give you 20 years. And the dog said, 20 years is a long time to bark. How about I do it for 10 and give you 10 years back? And God said, fine, that's all right. On the second day, he created the monkey. And he said to the monkey, he said, I want you to entertain, do monkey trips, not tricks. And I want you to entertain people. And I want you to just bring laughter. And I want you to do that for 20 years. And the monkey said, that's a long time to be doing monkey tricks. Can I get a deal like the dog how about I do it for 10 and I give you back 10 years God said fine that'll work then the cow on the next day he created the cow and he said to the cow he said now I want you to take 60 days and you're going to have 60 days of working out in the field you're going to go out with the farmer you're going to work in the hot sun you're going to provide milk for the family and you're going to do it again and again and you're going to do that for 60 years and the cow said 60 years is a long time to be working that hard how about I give how about I do it for 20 and I give you the 40 back and God said fine he gets to man and he makes man and he says to man, I want you to just enjoy life. I want you to be happy. I want you to rest. I want you to enjoy the, the, the things that I've created and I want you to have this, this moment and this time. And he said, for that I'll give you 20 years. And of course the man said back to God, he said, 20 years? He said, God, 20 years is good, but could I get some more time? I'd like to have some more. And he says, how about I take the time that the monkey and the dog and the cow gave away? And God said, sure, that's fine. I'll give that to you. And the end of the story says, that's why we know now for the first 20 years of life, we enjoy life, we play, we make the most of it. For the next 40 years, we work in the sun, laboring and providing for the family. For the next 10 years, we do monkey tricks to entertain the grandchildren. And then for the last 10, we sit on the porch and bark at everybody that goes by. <laughs> Making the most of life's moments. 
be careful what it is that we ask for. We, we want to make more. And I don't think it's, it's wrong in our lives to desire to make more out of what God has given us. I believe the author who has given you your time, he's given you your breath, he's given you your life, your abilities, he desires that you would make more out of what he's given you. He's a God who increases. He's not a God who takes away. He is a God who gives. He's a God who advances. He's a God who blesses. He's a God who desires to make more in our lives and to make more out of our lives. This morning as we look at this today, I want to look in, in this, this time of hitting reset You can want and want all that you desire, and and wanting all you can isn't going to bring fulfillment. Just because you want something doesn't mean it's going to be given to you. You can want, uh, you know how it is, kids, right? You used to be a child once as well. Maybe you're you're, uh, still of that nature. There are things that you want. Well, you can want and want and want. And there's no guarantee that you're going to get what you want. But there is a guarantee that if you handle properly what you do have, you can produce more with what you have. There's no guarantee that you'll get more of what you want. But there is a guarantee that you can produce more with what you have. That when we become stewards of what it is that God has given to us, that we can produce more. When is the time for us to hit reset? And in order for us to produce the more with our lives and in our lives, there are moments that require us to hit reset. We ask ourselves, when is it time to hit reset? When is it necessary to hit the pause button, to take an evaluation, to do a reset? I believe God has naturally put those in our lives for each of us. I I believe every morning, the Bible reminds us, we looked at it last week, that his mercies are new every morning, that God desires every morning for us to take a pause and to spend time with him, to allow there to be a reset and recalibration, to let our feet get settled underneath us, and not just our feet underneath us, but our feet firmly upon his word and upon his purposes. It's a danger that when we get into the rat race and the habit of we just wake up and we immediately run to life's events, to life's moments, not to have that natural pause in the morning to experience his mercies that are new today. You might be dealing with stuff you were dealing with yesterday, but you need a pause to be able to get rest, not only to get your feet under you, but to get your feet firmly grounded on the promise and the word of God because you've got another race to run today. You can't worry about winning the marathon if you don't hit pause and commit yourself to win the day you've got to win in the moment win in this time trusting God in the season that you're that you're going through I believe at natural time as well as in the evening God created us to rest how many love to rest how many love to sleep the only bad thing about sleeping is you got to wake up right I mean there's a there's a time when it comes to an end God has naturally put those things he's given to us some of you would agree some of you are still here today and you're of a younger nature and you think sleep is a waste of time and then there's other of you that are saying sleep is one of the best gifts God has ever given to mankind right making the most of of that time God has naturally given us the sabbath he said that we're, the Sabbath was created for man. We've got to take a day. A gentleman said one time, he said, uh, uh, he said we, we know that the Bible says not to kill. And so we would, we would be quick to call that if someone would kill or someone would, would uh, use the name of the Lord in vain, that that is an issue. But what about people who violate the Sabbath and don't rest on the day when God says that you should rest on the Sabbath? Whatever your Sabbath is. Whatever that is, it might not be a, a, a Sunday or whatever it is, because naturally the Sabbath was a Saturday, really, is how the, the Sabbath was created. But to have that day, that time, 
Here's another time in our lives when we need to hit reset. And, and those are moments that we have to work on and, and develop a habit of, of hitting reset. But here's a time as well that we need to hit reset. And a time that we need to, to be quick to, to address is when dilemma comes along. It's when the consistent time of hitting reset is when the storm clouds are overhead and trouble is brewing. Have you ever had moments in life where trouble is brewing around you? There's storm clouds of circumstances, situations. There's a dilemma that seems to come along and we're going to go through these moments and I believe it's in these moments that we really become firm in our faith and our understanding of God. That when we go through life's difficult moments, the storm clouds of life is where we really grow and learn what it is to trust and believe in Jesus Christ. If you want to be stronger in your walk with Christ, then get ready to go through turmoil. If you don't want to grow, then you're of a nature where you just want to be complacent, everything as is. The danger with that is when complacency sets in, apathy sets in. And when apathy sets in, there becomes a disconnect in your walk with Christ. And you become separated in your, in your pursuit of Him. But this morning, when the storm clouds come near, you can either be deliberate or you can be debris. When the storm clouds come and, and storms are moving in, you can be deliberate to walk through this, to make the most of this situation. You've, there's no way around this. You've got to go through it. That storm clouds that's in front of you, you can't get around it. You're, you're going to have to go through it. So because you have to go through it, you might as well be deliberate to make or to allow something good to come through the process because if not, you'll end up being debris. And if you know anything about debris, when debris gets caught up in the storm, it not only tears apart that, that specific thing, but it becomes a hindrance and something of destruction to other things. And in our lives, when we go through the turmoil, we will either become deliberate that we're going to come out stronger or we'll become debris that will be weakened not only in ourselves, but we will weaken others or have the potential to make weaker the things that are around us because we've not allowed God to bring us through the process. In Acts chapter 6, there's a story that is told, and, and uh, uh, this is the church developing. Now, I want you to look at this in the start of Acts chapter 6 and reading from the New Living Translation. Here's what it says. As the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. Those who spoke Greek complained against those who spoke Hebrew, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers. The twelve who were the apostles, they called a meeting. They hit time out. They said, hey, we got to hit reset here. There's a, we, have to, we have to hit reset. We've got a dilemma. There's a problem. I want you to notice that the Bible says that when the believers were rapidly increasing and growing. How many know that God was at work and doing a great thing in the early church? There was great progress and great things happening you need to realize as well, in the midst of God's great working, there's always opposition and things that will rise up to try and, and, halt, and halt and bring to stop what it is that God is doing. That the things that occur, and we, this is encouraging to us because sometimes you can feel like everything is going well and when a problem arises, we can immediately attach that to God is doing something against me. I, attack does not come from God. It comes from the enemy to stop what God is doing. The enemy comes along and here it is. They're rapidly increasing, and the enemy, of course, will get inside and try to get us off target. And they began to complain. They weren't like Faith Assembly. We never complain here at Faith Assembly. I'm glad you're chuckling. Listen, let's be real. We're, we're human. We are learning how to become more and more like Jesus Christ. 
We've had moments where maybe in relationships you've had, and you've, you've rubbed shoulders and thought, mm, that didn't seem right the way that went. That didn't. You're going to have those, those op- oppositions, difficulties, things that there's dilemma in every area. Be in the church, in your home, whatever circumstances, dilemma comes along. We apostles should spend our time, this is what they determined when they called the meeting, we apostles should spend our time preaching and teaching the word of God, not administrating a food program, they said. Now look around among yourselves, brothers, and select seven men who are well respected and full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We will put them in charge of this business, then we can spend our time in prayer and preaching and teaching of the word. The Bible then lists those that were added and those who became the ones, the seven men. And then in verse 7, God's message was preached in every widening circle. The numbers of believers greatly increased. I want you to know that they came through the dilemma. And on the other side of the dilemma, there was a continual increase. That when you hit a dilemma, when you hit life's moments that are a setback, life's moments that are difficult, it's a time to hit reset. And when you allow reset to affect your life in a proper way, and we're going to talk about that. When you allow that to affect you, when you allow that to be properly handled in your life, you will end up increasing even greater than you were before you got to to the dilemma. If you thought things were going good when you got to it, wait till you see what happens on the other side as you trust and submit and allow God to bring about the work that is needed. You can imagine this picture. Little kid is sitting on a chair and the face is telling the story. He's got the face that things aren't right. You go to the little child and you say, What's the matter? You ask the child, what's the matter? And their response might be this. This has happened before in, in, in circles, and you may have heard this from your own kids. I, I remember hearing it in some form, some way or another. What's the matter? They don't like me. Now, immediately when you hear that child say they don't like me, talking about another group of kids and things that are going on, immediately you're recognizing, then you, you would say, if you saw a child in that regard, you would immediately say, why do you say that? You recognize and would, would, would acknowledge that it's not that they don't like you. Something happened along the way that there's a misunderstanding. And the truth isn't that they don't like you. That's just how you feel. How many would agree with me, right? But we immediately say they don't like me. And this dilemma, this, this, this situation, we kind of have this going on in this story. When it comes to, to de- dealing with dilemmas, we've got to deal with the matter, what it is, the matter that's taking place. And here in this story that we read about the apostles and, and the start of, of the deacons in the church is a feeding program is, is taking place. And the, the feeding program is meant to assist the widows who are both of, of Jewish and Greek origin, those who speak different languages. And it was a, 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 a feeding program to take care of the poor of that day. The widow were the poor. The widows were the ones that needed the, the support. And so this was a feeding program set in place to take care of the poor. Somewhere along the way, something wasn't working the way it ought. Something wasn't happening the way it was supposed to happen. Have you ever experienced moments where things aren't working the way it was supposed to? It was working at one time, but... Something happened and something got off track, off focus, whether it be in machine, whether it be in relationship, whether it be in plans, whatever it might be, it's not going the direction, it's not doing what we thought it would do. And here's what takes place. The Bible says that they came and they complained. And this situation is not the crisis. But there are many things in our lives that are not right now crisis, but if we don't handle them properly, they will become crisis. 
There's a feeding program that needs tweaked. That can be fixed. But if you don't handle it properly, you might cause debris and make it a lot harder to fix in the process. We can fix a feeding program, but we can't fix offended people that just don't like what's going on and have a fit and everything becomes personal. Picture this. Here it is, and they come, they recognize we've got a problem with our feeding program. And the Greeks, who are the outsiders at this time, because they were Jews that, that, that had, had been converted, and they're away from Jerusalem, they speak Greek. The Jews that, uh, that uh, spoke Aramaic are there as well. And the Greeks, the, the Greek widows, aren't being taken care of the same as the Jewish widows. And so there's something, or, or there's, there's a distinction going on. And there's a problem with the feeding program. And instead of them coming to the apostles and saying, hey, there's something. We need to address this. We need to fix this. Here's what the Bible says. Instead of addressing what the problem was, they came to the apostles and they, first of all, what's the Bible say? They did what? They complained. How many know that's a direct action right there? The moment you come to complain is the moment that you've bypassed what the real issue is and it's become so personal right now. I've got an issue, not because something needs tweaked, but this bothers me. I've become offended. How many see the picture of what's taking place here? I'm owning something that really isn't mine to own, but I've bought it in a case where it's become so personal to me. The Bible says they came and they complained, and here's what they complained. They said, our widows are being discriminated against. Wow. Wow. The moment you throw that all together, you've now taken what was a feeding program that needed tweaked to now having the potential of being something that divides the church, right? There are dilemmas that if we don't handle properly, will either come in and make us debris or if we handle them appropriately. Here's one of the things I want to say today. If we're going to handle dilemma in our life, number one, it's a matter of principle. It's a matter of principle. We've got to stick to what the principle, the matter is, what the, the matter at hand, what it is that's taking place. We have a dilemma, and here's one of the things that we have in our culture as a dilemma. And the dilemma in our culture is this, that we are quick to criminalize others and victimize ourselves. In our culture, we are quick to criminalize others and to victimize ourselves. We are quick to look and to say that they are a problem and there's an intent anger or, 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 or error in their way that we, we look at that and it becomes, rather than a problem that needs addressed, it becomes a personal vendetta. It becomes a personal attack. It becomes so personal. I want to give you a warning that the Bible says in the last days that many will fall away. That scripture doesn't scare me, but it does concern me. It scares me because, or it concerns me because the fact is that the church in the days that we're in needs to be careful and one of the things we've got to watch is is that Jesus gave us a warning in Matthew 24 that many will fall away because their hatred or offense towards one another. That there'll be a falling away because they're offended by relationships or offended in what's going on. We are definitely in a culture where everything we argue is a personal issue. It's so personal. And we're not dealing with the root of an issue or the principle of what the matter is. We're dealing with feelings. We're dealing with, with, with discrimination and with how we feel. And it keeps us from being able to deal with what the real issue is that's going on and the way we address that is to not look and say how are they handling it but to evaluate ourselves and say in my life have I made things too personal 
I do that. I'm of the nature where I see something and my first response is not in a, oh, try to see the best in it. I tend to be the guy that looks for, oh, I wonder what their reason for that was. I wonder what they were really trying. How many know what I'm talking about? I'm just going to tell you, I have to work on, I'm skeptical by nature. I'm, I'm skeptical in even growing up in, in the church and, and things that, that I've been around. I'm skeptical not in that I don't believe things, but that I, I often look at things in, from a perspective of, is that real? Is that love that's coming, is that love real? I am the dad that when Jalen comes up and puts her head on my shoulder, dad, I love you. I grab from my pocket. <laughs> where's, my, where's my wallet? She doesn't want any money. She's just saying she loves me. <gasps> okay, I got to ease up. Think about that in our lives. That when we tend to look, and not from just being able to deal with what is at hand, we tend to anticipate there's a problem. And we take it personal. We become defensive. We put up our guard. How many know what I'm talking about? And if we're going to deal with dilemma, we got to be careful that we don't allow those things to become personal. We tend to make it personal and take it personal. And one of the ways that we need to deal with these issues is to not allow those things to, to just set hard upon us, but deal with the principle. Not personal, not making it personal. Deal with the issue. There's a feeding program that needs tweaked. But the moment you're addressed with it is complaining that we're being discriminated against. You've now elevated a problem. And it's now harder to fix because we can fix a feeding program. But now that you've made it so personal, it's going to get a little more difficult. Would you agree with that? We need to be people who live in the spirit, who don't allow us to complicate things, but to allow God to control things. That when we live in the spirit, God enables us to surrender control. And the opposite of giving God control is us complicating it. I know each of us have been in moments where we have, instead of surrendering control to God, we have complicated the matter. We've complicated the situation. We've complicated what it is. Let me give you number two. If we're going to deal with dilemmas, if we're going to deal with the dilemmas in our life, it's a matter of priorities. When the dilemma strikes, a time to hit reset and evaluate what the priorities are. What are the priorities that you have that are going on? The Bible says that the 12 called a meeting. They hit reset. They called a meeting and they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. Did he say we shouldn't have a food program? No. He said, we've got to make sure we keep the important things the important thing and don't let the, less, the lesser important things become the more important things. We get out of balance whenever we allow things to get out of place, what it is that really matters. There's a danger in the church that we can mask the spiritual issues with social issues. God did not call us to just be humanitarian and beneficial, uh, uh, benevolent in the things that we do. Yes, we're to serve the poor, but if all we do is serve the poor and don't preach the gospel, we've got our orders met, we've got our priorities out of place. There's a, there's a purpose that God has called us to, and that is to preach the word, and we can 
sometimes mask the purpose of what God has called us to do by just being benevolent. We can, we can handle social issues, and we ought to handle social issues, but social issues should not be lifted above spiritual issues. At the end of the day, what matters the most is that we preach the word of God, that we proclaim the name of Jesus, that we give opportunity for the lost to be found. Yes, we can feed and should feed. Yes, we should console, and we will console. Yes, we should do the work, but what we do, number one, is to proclaim the word of God. Don't ever let the word of God get out of place. Don't ever let the word of God become less than in our life. If you want God to bless you, if you want God to, to bless the, the things that you're doing, here's a, a Chinese Christian author, Watchman Nee. He gave some indicators of the things that God will bless. Here's what he says. He, he said, God blesses what he initiates. If it starts with God, it's going to be blessed by God. He blesses what depends on him for success. It, if it depends on God, he's going to bless it. He, he blesses what is done according to his word. That is so crucial. That what we do is to his word. And lastly, he blesses what is done for his glory. If it doesn't fit in those qualifications, then it maybe should not have our priority. Dilemma is complicated because we allow distractions and things to come along that really have no place. That's not what this is about. Maybe you can evaluate in your life. What are some things, maybe in a marriage that you, in a relationship that you need to hit reset? Maybe in, in goals that you've set, things that you're doing, they maybe need to hit reset. Have you allowed priorities to come in place that really aren't that important? Have you allowed priorities to set in and distract from what the true purpose and what it is that we're meant to do? Let me give you the last one here. It's a matter of principle. It's a matter of priorities. Stick to the principle, the priorities. Evaluate what really matters. And lastly, it's a matter of passion. It comes down to passion. It comes down to what it is that burns on the inside of us. Your passion becomes what controls you. Whatever is your passion, whatever it is that's burning on the inside of you is what controls you. Whatever it is that would, would take control of us. Here's what the Bible says in, in, in verse 3. It says, so the brothers, here's what the apostles told them to do. Now you notice, we got a problem with a feeding program. And there's a potential that if we don't handle this properly, it's not just going to be a broken feeding program. It's going to be a division in the church, and it's going to be hearts and, and offended people, and we're going to have a bigger problem. So we've got to handle this dilemma properly. So they hit reset, they come together and they have a meeting. And in this meeting, they said, we've got the priority. And the priority is, we've got to keep the word of God as the priority. Here's the next thing they said. What they said, here's the solution. Here's what they told them to do. Select seven men who are well respected and full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Notice the apostles didn't come and figure it all out and say, here's how you fix it. No, the apostles said, you put the right people in the right place and the right things will happen. I want you to know, more than the right thing is the right person. If God is not asking you to figure out the right thing. God is just saying, you just be the right person. Don't figure out the right thing. You be the right person. Have you stood at life's moments and you said, God, I don't know if it's X, if it's Y, or if it's Z. Have you ever been there? You said, God, I'm not sure what direction. I don't know what to do. And we often misconstrue and think, God, you want us to do the right thing. Listen, before you can ever do the right thing, you've got to be the right person. Here's what he says. Find seven men who are respected, but full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. 
This is for the feeding program, to take food to the widows, to both the Greeks and the, and the Jews. This is to take food. This isn't like some, you know, some uh, uh, traveling ministry. This isn't, you know, missionaries to China. This is, this is to take food over to the other side of the room. Yeah, and in order for that to be done right, find someone who is full of the Holy Spirit, and they'll take care of doing it. Can I say to you, your life's dilemma Here's the dilemma in life. The dilemmas that we create in life is that we are doing it without being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We're trying to do life without the power of the Holy Spirit. We're trying to do life and to fix things without giving control and allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us with His power. To be filled with the Spirit when something is so full, it becomes overflowing. But when something overflows, it takes control of that container. It takes control of that person. And in our lives, to be filled with the Holy Spirit means to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. It means to allow the Holy Spirit to take control in the things that we're doing. The solution was to find seven men. When we don't have our lives filled with the Holy Spirit, we have the opportunity to complicate problems rather than giving to control to God. Sometimes instead of passion for pleasing God, we have a passion for proving to be right. And once again, we forgot the principle, we forgot our priorities, and we have the wrong passions in place. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, we are a dead church. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, our relationships remain unfulfilled and without purpose. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, we do good things, but we never experience the greatness that God has in store. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, you say, well, Jason, how how do you receive the power of the Holy Spirit? The Bible says this, that we ask of God, but it's a matter of surrendering and giving ourselves over to God. Because when I'm controlled by the Spirit, and here's what I want you to walk away with. When you have dilemma in life and you feel the burden of, is it X, Y, or Z? Should I be in this relationship? Should I leave this relationship? Should I do this thing? Should I do? You, you, you have the dilemma of what to do, X, Y, or Z. Quit worrying about what to do. Step back and just make sure you have the right person. Make sure you're the right person. Before you can do the right thing, you've got to be the right person. What's the right person? Controlled or filled by the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Because here's what the Bible says. I want you to hear this. The Bible says in Psalm Verse, uh, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Notice the law of the Lord is the word of God. The word of God becomes priority in their life. The word of God becomes the priority upon which they live. The priority is not their, their convenience. The priority is not their comfort. The priority is not what makes them feel good. The priority is the word of God. Verse 3, listen, they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing much fruit each season, in the good times and in the bad times, in every season, before the dilemma and after the dilemma, in every season of life. They're producing fruit in every season. Their leaves never wither. And listen to this, they will prosper in whatever they do. 
they will prosper in whatever they do. If you want to prosper, it's not about what you do. It's what you allow to control you. It's about giving yourself to the, to the work of the Lord and saying to God, I need you to fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit. If you've not been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, if you've not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you've not been filled with the power of God, listen, you say, well, I received that when I believed in Jesus. Yes. Here's here's how it's explained. The Holy Spirit baptizes us to Jesus because the Bible says no one can come unto the Father unless the Holy Spirit compels them. You can't come to Jesus unless the Holy Spirit compels you. So the Holy Spirit is at work to baptize us in Christ on the inside. But once Jesus has the way in us, then Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. When we're baptized in Jesus, there's a river that happens on the inside of us. But when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's a river that flows on the outside of us. There's a river when we're baptized in Jesus, when we come to Christ, that's the Holy Spirit baptizing us in Jesus and causing a river to come alive. But once Jesus is on the inside, He then wants to do another work, and that is baptize us in the Holy Spirit. And now it's no longer just a river on the inside. It becomes an outflow. It becomes a river that is released from the inside of us that everywhere the rivers touch and whatever we do God says his blessing will be upon it you might be in life's crisis today and you say I don't know what to do let me say to you today don't worry about the dilemma of what to do back up and worry about the position of saying God help me to be the person help me to be filled with the spirit let what I do be controlled and filled by the spirit of God Ephesians chapter 5 Paul gives us a warning He says, don't be drunk with wine. And then he gives a comparison. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. In these last days, don't be drunk with wine. Don't be drunk in a place where you're not seeing properly. You're not making good choices. You're not making good decisions. Don't be controlled by foolishness. He says, instead, be controlled by the Holy Spirit. This morning, I just want to simply ask you, Have you received the Holy Spirit? Have you received the work of the Spirit? That in life's dilemma, you will intensify life's dilemmas if you don't allow yourself to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? We need the power of the Holy Spirit, church. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to be the father, to be the husband, to do what God has called me to do. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, in these moments, I pray, Holy Spirit, God, help us to help us to set aside this time, not to help us to set aside this time and prioritize this moment. Jesus, some of us might be standing at crossroads today saying X, Y, or Z. Lord, I pray that we'd not be overwhelmed with what to do, but God, help us be overwhelmed by the Spirit of God who lives on inside of us. That we can have a confidence that when we are full of the Spirit, that whatever we do, it'll prosper. It'll prosper. Holy Spirit. Well, that this morning, I, I'm going to ask you, would you as a church, listen, church, this depends, the future of this church depends on you and I being filled with the Holy Spirit. The future of what God has called us to do in Fayette County depends on us being filled with the Holy Spirit. These guys are going to lead us in a song, and I just want you to take these couple minutes here. Would you just wait upon the Lord? 
and make this your prayer to God. Holy Spirit, fill me today. Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. Jesus, you take control. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you. Come on, you stand with us and make that your prayer. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you. One more time. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Come on, just ask him that right now. Father, I want more of you. God, I need more of your spirit. I need more of your power, more of your presence. Father, in this life that I'm living, God, I pray, maybe, maybe even in the midst of crisis, whatever it is, Lord, wherever we find ourselves, we pray that you would fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, that God, we would live this life dealing properly with the dilemmas because they're going to come. So God, help us to help us to give you control so that God, we won't make it more complicated. But God, that you'll produce in us greater things that whatever we do would prosper. Lead us by your spirit in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you're here this morning, you, you would just say, I want to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. If that's you today, just raise your hand to the Lord. If that's you today, say, I need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, the Bible says if you seek, He'll give. And I want to encourage you this morning. We're going to spend time in prayer. We're going to dismiss in just a moment here. But if you want to come to this altar, we're going to pray with you. Be honored to pray with you and just ask God to fill you with the power of His Holy Spirit. Let me just tell you, that occurs as we worship. When we come to God. Remember I said earlier about we're not beggars. We're not coming to God and say, God, I'm, I'm begging. We're coming to God in a recognition that as you worship, that's how you receive from God. You position yourself in worship. So if you want to come this morning, I'm going to dismiss in prayer. But you say today, I'm going to come and position myself before the Lord. And I want to receive from the Lord today. If that's you, I invite you to come. I'm going to pray just a prayer of dismissal. And if, as you go, just, just go blessed in the Lord. Don't forget to stop by and support the Alaska team. Take a couple dollars down there, buy a sandwich. But if you need, if you need the power of the Holy Spirit today, I invite you to come. We'd love to pray with you. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Wong family and God for the encouragement and inspiration that they bring to us today. We ask your blessing upon them. Father, and upon this week, I pray that you would take full control of everything we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.